We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. We're, we're learning about the battle, you know. Uh, in this book, though, uh, the children of Israel are the, the aggressor, more or less, and as we read this, we see that today the children of Israel are receiving their inheritance. Uh, there are seven tribes that have not yet received their inheritance. And so we learn the lesson uh, in life, you guys, that as we live, I don't know how many days we have, I don't know how many weeks, months, years we have left. We might not have a whole lot. But whatever we do have left, there's opportunities and there's responsibilities for us to take on. That what we need to do is just to find out what our inheritance is, so to speak, in that sense, and then go out and possess the land. You know, um, Christians, we talk a lot about waiting on the Lord, and that's important. We need to wait on the Lord, but we also need to be go-getters for God. We also need to be pure and proactive for God. And I think sometimes, man, we lose the balance. Sometimes we're way over here. It's kind of like a person looking for a job, expecting it to come to them. No, it's not going to fall from the sky, man. You've got to go. You've got to hit the streets. You've got to knock on doors. You've got to work hard. And in, same, in the same way, that's kind of the way it is for us, I think, as Christians. We think that God's going to you know, sprinkle something in the sky or that you know, we're going to get this funny feeling inside and then we're going to know the will of God. And we're, we're kind of waiting back. And God says, listen, you've know, you got to follow me, man. You've got to be, you know, in a sense, proactive. You've got to be go-getters for God. As you're obedient and going forward, then God's going to give you the land. We're going to learn that lesson tonight in Joshua. Because look what it says here in verse 1, Joshua 18. It says, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Now if you remember, we're, we're in the context here of the children of Israel having, after wandered in the wilderness for 38 years, they finally crossed the Jordan River and they begin to gain ground for God. You know, Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, we have a, a, a slide up here. Um, we see that they've already received their inheritance on the east side of the river. And what ends up happening is now we've got the, the, the west side of the river and we see that Judah has received their inheritance and so has Manasseh and Ephraim on that side. But the seven remaining tribes have not received their inheritance. And so you wonder, well, why not? Well, apparently the responsibility to receive their inheritance was that each tribe, each tribe represented by their leaders was to be the initiator. They were to go. It wasn't like Joshua said, okay, I'll call you up. You guys come you know, on this set date and then you'll go get the land. No, they were to go to Joshua kind of like we are to go to Jesus. Jesus, what do you have for me? Lord, what do you want me to do for you? And apparently up to this point, they had not done that. You see, God wanted them to be kind of like, a, I guess, like I said, a go-getter, submissively and obediently proactive. We know Judah, Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, Ephraim had already received their inheritance, but now the seven remaining tribes were just kicking back. They were just kicking it, right? As a matter of fact, look what it says there in verse 1. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel 
assembled together at Shiloh. And so they were all there. Now the capital moves from Gilgal to Shiloh. And they were all just kind of there gathering around, you know. It was like they were content. They were just going to kind of be in that place. It almost sounds as if they were planning to stay at Shiloh. Because there they were together. And there there where was the, the tabernacle. And it all kind of sounds convenient. It was very convenient. But they were being disobedient. You see, the victory had been won corporately, but not individually. And so what ends up happening, Joshua begins to stir them up. There in verse 3, he says, Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has, has given you? It's almost as if the Lord's just kind of like waiting and he's just saying, What's up? What's up? What, what are you waiting for? How long? How long are you going to neglect to go up and possess the land? You see, the real reason for not obtaining their inheritance was negligence. That's what it says right there. Joshua called them to the carpet. He said, how long? How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? You know, and you know, we look at the different sins of life and, and this one right here is a subtle one, you know, neglect. It's been the cause, the culprit of a lot of chaos among Christians. This is why we read commands throughout the Bible cautioning us against neglect, you know. Uh, for example, in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39, we read the call and commitment that God said, I don't want you, my people, to neglect the house of God. Don't neglect it. There in Nehemiah 10, 39. In 1 Timothy 4, 14, there's a real interesting verse. It's Paul writing to Timothy, God speaking through Paul, and he said, that he was not to neglect the gift that had been given to him, the gift that was in him, not to neglect it, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. You see, we need to be so careful, you guys, not to neglect the house of God. Now, for us, it's not necessarily this building, although there is a certain element of that, but the house of God is a place that you meet with God. Don't neglect the house of God. Don't neglect meeting with God. And, and don't neglect the gifts of God. We all have gifts. We all have callings. Like I said, opportunities and responsibilities that God wants us to exercise for His glory. So we need to discover our gifts, develop those gifts, and then deploy them and not just kick back in Shiloh together there at the tabernacle. You know, and that's what the Lord is saying. We need to be so careful not to neglect the house of God which affects our relationship with Him and not to neglect the gifts of God, which is our responsibility for Him. At the same time, making sure that we walk in the supernatural and not just the natural. Because when you exercise the gifts of God, then what you're doing is you're discovering those things that God has given to you and you give them back to Him so that things can be supernatural. And you see, the whole nemesis of neglect is very dangerous and that's why we have that heavy verse over in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He says, How, how, shall, we, how shall we escape? Escape what? You know, I don't know, man. It's not good. But when you read the book of Hebrews, what had happened was, man, they lost track. And if you read later in Hebrews chapter 5, by this time they should be teachers... 
And they still needed to be taught. Why? Because they were neglecting so great a salvation. He says, man, if the word spoken through angels proved to be steadfast and every transgression received its reward, how much more God has spoken to us, not angels, God. And so the sin of neglect is a really, really heavy, heavy sin. The Hebrews were falling away, so they were warned of the great sin of neglect, you guys. Be so careful. I mean, God loves you. God died for you. He's Man, he, he just wants to do a great work in you and through you. And neglect is what? Just being inattentive to it, you know? Despising it, looking down on it. You know, here in Joshua, the Hebrew word for neglect, uh, it means to show oneself slack. Hence, the people were lacking because they were slacking, right? And I think the distinction that we need to have tonight is this, you guys. You know, if I was to survey all of you here, you know, you're not necessarily, you know, full on rejecting, but you might be full on neglecting. And that's almost as bad. And that's why we read this right here. Joshua says in verse 3, you know, how, how long? Basically, come on. It's been long enough, man. It's time to wake up and to be everything that God wants you to be. Because I'll give you the grace and I'll give you the strength to do it. And I'll open doors for you that, that no man can shut. It's a wonderful life. It's not an easy life. It's a work, yes. It's a war, yes. It's a constant walk, yes. But it's worth it. It's worth it, you see. And what was happening was they were not really in tune with the Lord. You know, according to Matthew Henry, it had been a year or more that they were just relaxing. Warren Worsby said this, seven tribes still had to have their inheritance marked out for them, and apparently they were slow to respond to the challenge. Unlike Caleb and the daughters of Zelophehad, these tribes didn't have faith and spiritual zeal. These tribes had helped fight battles and defeat the enemy, but now they hesitated to claim their own inheritance and enjoy the land that God had given them. And so, you know, for me, you guys, this is not just, you know, me against you. This is me against me too. I can get lazy sometimes. That's just the bottom line. You know, I go home, I have a burrito, and that's it. You know, I'm done, you know. And the Lord says, man, I want you to, you know, read your word. I want you to go in the garage and pray. For me, I love to do it. And once I get out there, it's just so wonderful, you know, or to wake up in the morning. Now, those types of things, laziness, is a is a cousin it's a relative of of neglect it really is and the bible says proverbs 12:27 the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting but diligence is man's precious possession and so there it is he can't picture a guy he goes and he gets you know the 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 game he hunts it down he do, and then he doesn't have enough strength to cook it and to eat it it's almost like what we have we don't really finish what we start and God says, listen, I started something in you. And it's a beautiful work, and we need to make sure that we finish that work. You see, successful Christian Christianity is a diligent Christian, the godly go-getter, the one who takes those steps, knocks on those doors, who takes God at his word. And even though the work is more like a war, they know it's worth it. And so we need to make sure that we have that understanding. Neglect is really the key theme. What happens if you neglect your car? Just out of curiosity. 
Unless you have a Toyota. What, what happens if you neglect your car? I have a Toyota. Thank God it's still going since 1992, you know? Anyways, um, it'll break down, right? It will break down. What happens if you neglect your house? It'll fall down eventually, right? I mean, what happens if you neglect your body? You will suffer and die, right? And what happens if you neglect your wife and your children? Separation, right? Desperation. Well, we find uh, no relation. That's what happens when we neglect. What will happen if you neglect your obligation to God, your salvation from God? You know, a lot of things. God will discipline us. I know this. It's not good. Joshua knew it was not good. And so he's looking around at all these guys. They're still here. They haven't received their inheritance. And he says, okay, you guys, time out. It, it's, it's time. How long? You know? And so what ends up happening, he says, listen, I got, a, I got a plan. He's ready to do his part if they're ready to do theirs. And so he begins to stir things up there in verse 4. He says, okay, pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them. They will rise and go through the land, survey it according to their inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory in the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory in the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord your God. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. And Joshua says, you know, real simple, it's okay. Choose three men from each tribe. I'll send them out to survey the land, which ends up meaning to describe it in writing. They're going to write it in a book. This would total 21 men going out, sent by Joshua. And as they go throughout the whole land, and remember, it's not a real big land. Altogether, you probably got about 150 miles by 45. But remember, Judah's already had their land. And so they're going out there. They were to return then to Joshua and divide the remaining land into seven sections. Judah and Joseph would keep their Torah. We read that in their text. And they were then to divide up the land as the Lord would determine. And so, again, a lesson for us a lot here. You know, but while we survey the land, we go, we pray. You know, I, I sometimes I'll drive around Almani. You know, uh, sometimes I'll just look around the church. Or I'll just kind of look up different things, surveying kind of, you know. But then asking the Lord in the end, Lord, you be the one. And that's what the lots were. Now, I've told you before, we don't know for sure what the lots were. Some say it may have been like drawing straws. Some say there may be stones. Um, one commentary, Beacon's commentary, said that they may have had like a, a bag on this side and a bag on this side. And, and here were all the names of the tribes that had not received their inheritance. And here were all the sections of land. And so somehow they matched them up. But it was the Lord. It was the Lord telling them what to do in life. You see, the tribe of Levi was not to own land. We see that there in verse 7. And that was for good reason. Why? Because the Lord was their inheritance. You know, when you read the Bible, just as a quick side note, it's amazing to me how often this is repeated. Um, the Levites were not to own land, nor was this tribe to live together in one area. God wanted them scattered throughout the nation so that they might minister 
to all the people. When we get to chapter 20, we're going to see the different cities that they had. And so the Levites, they got God. Question, what do you have? You're here, Manny, you know what I got? I got a house. I own a house. Cool. I'm really proud of you, man. Big deal. Do you have God? Are you going to die without God? Who cares if you have a house? I mean, it's cool if you have a house and you have land and then you can give it to your kids. I think if you can, that's a great thing. But let me tell you something. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The Levites are a picture of us and our priorities in life, especially for us as Christians. Because when you go over the New Testament, what do you find? That we are priests, right? Father Andrew, we can say that if we want to. I would never do that, but actually we're not supposed to. Anyways, all I know is that we are priests. We stand before God for the people, and we stand before the people for God. We intercede in one sense. We're all their priests, and we have God as our inheritance. The Levites are that picture. Numbers 18.7, I give you your priesthood to you as a gift for service. Numbers 18.20, the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. I love that. Joshua thirteen thirty three. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance as he had said to them. You know, I encourage you guys to be blessed in the fact that as Christians, you have God. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, then what are you waiting for? Why are you holding back? Why? You know, sometimes we see people and they're caught up in their own life. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it big time. God loves you. God has a plan for you. Follow Him and don't be half-hearted. Follow Him completely. You know, we read here in the latter portion of verse 7 that Gad, Reuben, and half-tribe of Manasseh had already received their inheritance on the other side of the Jordan. And so Joshua gives them a plan. It's a good plan from their leader. And so we read in verse 8 that the men arose to go away. And Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go, walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. And so the men went, passed through the land, and wrote the survey in a book in seven parts by cities. And they came to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua divided the land of the children of Israel according to their divisions. If I was to ask you tonight, what lot do you have from the Lord? What would you say? You know, and that could be a lot of things. For some of you here, there are some things that are really obvious. For example, if you're a husband here, let me tell you something, man. One of your lots, your responsibilities, is your wife. How are you doing with your wife? Are you loving your wife? Are you leading your wife? Because one day when you stand before God, let me tell you something, you will give an account for your wife. Oh, Manny, I got her a nice house. Manny, she's driving a Lexus. Cool. Can I have it? No, I'm just joking. You know, 
That's not really the, the, the main thing, though. God's not going to ask you that. He's going to ask you, you know, things like, were you leading her? Were you loving her? Were you putting her needs before you? Were you praying with her? Were you reading the Bible with her? Were you going to church with her? See, we have opportunities. We have responsibilities. That's one of our lots. Maybe your kids. How are you doing with your kids? You know, and being a parent is hard, huh? It's hard, man. I tell you, because they're little rebels. Big rebels sometimes, man. And you know, you can't come with a cookie cutter approach. You have to love them. You have to ask the Lord to lead you. But remember, your responsibility as a parent is what? That they would graduate from Harvard? And I don't know if that's necessarily your primary responsibility. I do encourage you to get your sons to, to come to a place in their life where one day they'll grow up and they'll be able to support their wife. You know, try your best to have your you know daughters grow up so they can... Hopefully one day be even willing to be a homemaker. You know, those are really cool things in raising your children. You know, and so going to college, sometimes, you know, I talk to Aaron. Sometimes I say, Aaron, you know, you're going to go to college, right? Because one day you're going to have to support a family. But my primary responsibility for my children is what? It's spiritually. And as a father, I have to lead them spiritually. Are you doing that? See, those are the responsibilities. Those are our lots in life. If you had kids, then God chose that for you. It's a wonderful privilege to be a parent, huh? Because when they get old enough, they can start mowing the lawn for you and stuff like that, right? <laughs> and they can do different things. It's awesome. But God gave you kids. God gave you a wife. And you know, moms and, 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 and wives, you have your lots in life. And then there's other things, you know, maybe some of you are single here and there's things that God wants you to do, you know, and what are we doing? A lot of times, you know, we're not doing anything. What about the gifts that you have? What gifts of the Holy Spirit do you have that you can honestly say this was God? God did a work in me. God gave this to me and I need to give it back to him. And I'm not talking about talents necessarily i'm talking about gifts you know if you don't know what gifts you have and you're not exercising those gifts for god then you're you're like these guys right here neglecting neglecting the gift we read that specifically in first timothy chapter 4 verse 14 i really encourage you to know those things i've told you guys many times before it would be like being on a baseball team and not knowing what position you are. Yeah, I'm on the team. Yeah, you are cool. Where do you play? I don't. <laughs> oh, they're always on the bench, huh? Yeah. You know, I never even go to the games. <laughs> and I don't have a glove. <laughs> and I don't have a bat. And what's a baseball look like anyways? You know, that's the way it is. If you are here and you don't know what gifts you have. And you are not giving them back to God. Because what ends up happening is you're neglecting that. And so... You know, Joshua here, he didn't really beat him up too hard. You know, he didn't... You know how we are sometimes, and we have to be really careful. If we find something wrong with somebody and our kids, we hammer them and hammer them and hammer them and hammer them. Before that, before you know it, they're on the ground. They're not going to get up because they're all splattered. <laughs> no, he just said, okay, you're doing this wrong. Come on, just do it right now. Real simple. You're neglecting. How long are you neglecting? You're neglecting. Let's do this right now. That's all. And he gives them the plan. He helps them out. They go, they survey the land, they come back, and God does a great work. 
You see, they began to go and survey the land. And my encouragement to you now is to go and be with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do in life? Because I know it's not my life. And then you begin to go out and to do it. Like I said, be godly go-getters. Be proactive in your Christianity. Not walking ahead of the Lord, but not walking behind and definitely not kicking it. But being spiritually aggressive. The Lord said, wherever you step, the soles of your foot, I'll give you that land. But if you're not stepping, then you're not going to get anything for the glory of God. And so we need to go out and to be proactive, so to speak. You know, we need to make sure that we do our part so that God will do His part. You know, I've told you guys many times one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. You know, and so there you are, and you're going to go to battle. You get your horse ready. You feed it, you know, good horse food and you know, you get it trained and exercised and run out and, you know, everything that is needed, the endurance is necessary. You do your part. But there you are one day on the day of battle. And ultimately, it's the Lord. And again, all it is is we do our part and God does His part. We pray and God blesses. We study and God blesses. We, you know, do the possible and then He does the impossible. And that's all Joshua was saying. Listen, you guys are just kicking it for too long. How long are you going to neglect? Come on, let's go. You go and you survey the land. So they go, they survey the land. And what ends up happening is God blesses. You know, one of the prayer, one of the aspects I think in life that we neglect a lot is prayer. You know, we neglect to pray. Martin Luther said, if I should neglect prayer for a single day, I should lose a great deal of the fire of my faith. You know, and sometimes we'll miss a day. And not to put a burden on you, but I encourage you to pray. Martin Luther was used by the Lord in a great way. You see, neglect is a slow flow towards failure. Life is kind of like a tender plant, someone said. When properly nourished, it becomes sturdy and enduring. But when neglected, it soon withers and dies. Again, maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do. Well, it begins with the Word of God, the Bible. There you will learn God's revealed will. And then when you respond to that, you'll draw near to God and little by little, you'll know His concealed will. You won't hesitate to survey the land, bring it before Jesus, who will then you know, lead you and guide you and gladly give you your land, your responsibilities and your opportunities, your family, your flock, your friends, your job for Jesus, which brings so much joy for the journey. And so they finally come. And the first tribe to receive their inheritance is Benjamin. Look what it says here in verse 11. It says, Now the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families, and the territory of their lot came out between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. And so there, I don't know if you guys can see it from where you're at, but there's Benjamin, this little uh, orange guy right there. Right in between Ephraim and Judah. Now Ephraim we know was the son of Joseph. And so that's why it mentions Joseph. So you look at his land and you're like, well, he looks kind of small. And that's what some people say. Oh, this is all I'm going to do for the Lord. It's a little small thing. And you know what? There's no such thing as anything being small for God. huh? 
Not only that, if you were to look at the land, you would find that Benjamin really, in one sense, they kind of received the heart of the land. It's a beautiful place, they say, according to scholars and commentators. It says right here, Benjamin's portion was small, but it was choice. It occupied the heart of the land and possessed within its borders the first fruits of Israel's labors in Canaan. You go all the way, man, through this whole section right here and you see all the borders that are mentioned and you see the cities that are mentioned right here. Uh, Benjamin received 26 cities. Think about that. Uh, And that would be with their villages and everything. And all that was what God had given to them. And what we see is that they were really blessed as a tribe. You look at all these cities right here, and a lot of the cities are lost in antiquity, but a lot of them still remain even today, huh? So maybe one day, have any of you here ever gone to Israel except for Shelley? Anyone here ever gone to Israel? Man, that's cool. Maybe one day we'll be able to go, you guys. Anyways, chapter 19, we get into the rest of the tribes. And what we're going to see is there's six more tribes that received their inheritance. It says in verse 1, the second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families. And their inheritance was within the inheritance of the children of Judah. Now this is interesting. Look down here on the bottom of the map and you see Judah. And you know, Simeon is kind of like right in there, right in the middle of the tribe of Judah. It's a real interesting thing. Uh, The land for Simeon and his 17 cities were there within the inheritance. And looking at this, we read the reason being was Judah's inheritance was too small. Look down at verse 9. The inheritance of the children of Simeon was included in the share of the children of Judah. I'm sorry, for the share of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of that people. You know, and what we find right here is that the land of Simeon was small And in this case, not rich. Uh, We read the reason was that Judah's inheritance was too big for them, but there's also another vital reason. If you go back real quick, you guys, we'll go back to Genesis 49. And this is a lesson that we see throughout the Old Testament. When Jacob was about to die, he blessed and he basically prophesied over all his sons. And in Genesis chapter 49, look what it says in verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel. So something not very good, huh? Not very good with these guys right here. He said, let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man. And in their self-will, they hamstruck an ox, strung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. And you know what happened to them? They, they almost, almost disappeared. You know, and a lot of people will go back here to Genesis 49. You know, the Levites, they were all over the place. Simeon was right there, but then they got smaller and smaller. Listen to what it says in 1 Chronicles 4.27. It said, Shimei had 16 sons and 6 daughters, but his brothers did not have any children, nor did any of their families multiply as much as the children of Judah. In other words, Simeon, as a tribe, they really 
didn't get blessed. Why? Go back to Genesis 49, 5-7. Why? Because of their patriarch. Because of this man who in one sense infected his successive generations. And for us, I'm, you know, it's a lesson. What a difference you will make for the future generations, for good or bad. See, we see that lesson always. Simeon suffered because of their patriarch. We see next in verse 10, the third lot came out for the children of Zebulun, according to their families and the border of their inheritance was as far as Sarid. And so you go on and read here verses through 10 through 16, uh, the fact that Zebulun had their land, uh, their borders, 12 cities with their villages. Uh, today it would be modern day uh, northern Israel. You guys see him right there, Zebulun, that little blue one right there. I don't know if you guys can see it. In verses 17 through 23, we have the land for Issachar. It says, The fourth lot came out to Issachar for the children of Issachar, according to their families and their territory, went to Jezreel and included Chesulath and Shuman. Uh, again, modern-day northern Israel, 16 cities with their villages. Issachar received, for the most part, the large and fertile plain of this place called Jezreel. Now, I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with the New Testament. When Jesus came into Palestine, right there you have uh, in this area, see the sin of Chinneroth? It was later called the Sea of Galilee. And that was where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, they all have Jesus primarily being there in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. And so at least there was one good thing that later on down the road, their descendants would have Jesus ministering to them, something that was even prophesied in the book of Isaiah. It says in Matthew four thirteen through 16, And leaving Nazareth, Jesus came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And so we have the different tribes. Next we have the land for Asher. In chapter 19, in verses 24 through 31, notice what it says, the fifth lot in verse 24 came out for the tribe of the children of Asher, according to their Families And so you see Asher right there hugging the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It would be modern day northern Israel and then creeping into southern parts of modern day Lebanon. And so again, we read their uh, borders right here, their cities, 22 cities with their villages. In verse 32, it says, The sixth lot came out to the children of Naphtali. For the children of Naphtali, according to their families. And he goes on and explains their borders and their cities. In this case, it was 19 cities. Again, modern day Israel. There's Naphtali right there, creeping into southern portions of Lebanon. And then the last tribe is the tribe of Dan. If you go down to verse 40, it says, The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. And the territory of their inheritance was Zorah, Eshtel, Er, Shemesh, Shalabin, Aijalon, Jethla, Elon, Timna, Ekron, Eltika, Gibbethon, Baalath, Jehud, Bene, Berek, Gath, Rimon, Me, Jarkon, and Rakon with the region near Joppa. The border of the children of Dan, notice it says, went beyond these. 
because the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it and they struck it with the edge of the sword, took possession of it and dwelt in it. They called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan, their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan. According to their families, these cities with their villages. Now, when you look at Dan, you know, it's interesting, the land that was given to them, but they never really possessed it. Uh, you guys can kind of see right here in the map. Notice that Dan is the brown section over there. That was supposed to be their land. But we're going to see in just a moment that they, they, they never really got their land that was given to them. And so what did they do? They shot up all the way up. They traveled about 100 miles north. It's like they ran away. They ran away from their calling. They ran away from their inheritance. They ran 100 miles away. And they ended up right there on the northern portion of their inheritance. They ran away and out of the will of God for their life. It's a real incredible lesson when you look at Dan. It's so bad that in the book of Revelation chapter 12, when the 12 tribes are listed, Dan is not even listed. That's weird, huh? But what had happened was, man, none of them really did really perfect. We know that they were supposed to go all the way over to the you know, Euphrates River, but you read Judges chapter 1 and none of them really got the, the, the complete victory. Just like none of us are perfect. But Dan, man, they were really bad. They did not even uh, gain their own land. If you look at Judges real quick, look at Judges chapter 1 in verse 34. Judges 1 and 34, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not allow them to come down to the valley. I mean, the, the, the Amorites, they were supposed to conquer. They didn't even let them come, you know, to a place, man. They kind of stuck them up in the mountains. It says, The Amorites were determined to dwell in Mount Heres, in Ajalon and Sha'albin. Yet when the strength of the house of Joseph became greater, they were put under tribute. So when the Amorites eventually did come under submission, they didn't come under submission to the tribe of Dan. They came under submission to Ephraim and Manasseh that were right there. So Dan never even got their land. And that's a pretty heavy lesson when you think about that, you guys. Dan, unfortunately, what ended up happening, you read the story, okay? Judges chapter 18. We don't have time to go there, but you read that story later. Think about it. Here's Joshua, judges, generation after generation after generation after generation. They still didn't have their land. And finally, in Judges chapter 18, they go up to this place right here that didn't even belong to them. And they found these people that were, that were basically people they were not supposed to touch. And what did they do? They wiped them out. And what ended up happening was what? They walked away from the hard work and war that God had given to them. And they went and they found something easy. It was the path of least resistance. And I know from my own life, you guys, and I encourage you to be so careful. Don't go that path. We naturally digress into it. We don't want to get into the Word. We don't want to pray. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to deny ourselves. 
But God says, no, don't go that path of least resistance. You're going to end up like Dan. They ended up becoming the capital for idolatry. They ended up being blotted out. They are mentioned in the millennial kingdom, but only by the grace of God, man. And so in looking at all these things, I think we learn so much. We close here in Joshua 19 and verse 49. It says, And when they had made an end of dividing the land as an inheritance according to their borders, the children of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for, Timnath, Sarah, and the mountains of Ephraim, and he built the city and dwelt in it. I like the way it ends. Kind of appropriate in that Joshua received his inheritance towards the end. Now we know that the Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 30, that they would go into the land. And I just love the character of Joshua. You know, the way that he led the tribes, he encouraged the tribes, and he was willing to kind of fall in towards the end of the line, not insisting on getting it in the front but just seeing the Lord give him the desires of his heart. Again, look at verse 50. According to the word of the Lord, they gave him the city which he asked for. You see, and I want to encourage you guys in this. God is so good. Did you know that the Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he will give you the desires of your heart? Did you guys know that? I mean, isn't it cool? You know, I've got a long ways to go, but I'll tell you what, where, where I'm at in my walk with the Lord and in the ministry and with the family, still a lot of things to, 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 you know, to conquer, but man, it's a good place, you guys. He has really given me in so many ways the desires of my heart, and he'll do that for us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Psalms 84, verse 11, the Lord God is a sun and shield, The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know what he's saying basically tonight to us? He's saying, listen, this is what I want you to do. Okay, I want you to go discover my will. I want you to go out and do it passionately. Don't look back. Okay, look forward. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want to give you the work and I want to give you the strength to do the work And then you're going to find that as you're doing the work, you are going to be so blessed in it. You're going to have a big smile on your face serving the Lord. And then when it's all said and done, God said, I'm going to reward you for it. And that's what he did with Joshua. And Joshua said, can I have this? And God is going to bless you when you do his will. When you're out of the will of God, some of you here, you know, there might be a few of you here, maybe one or two or three, maybe four, I don't know, maybe more. Or, you know, you you find yourself struggling. You have no peace. You have no joy. Something's wrong. It's just because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Get back in the game. Put on your glove. Put your cap on. Cleats. Back in the game. You know, because there's, a, there's, you know, it's looking at that skit right there. I was thinking, poor Amanda, you know, she's over here trapped by the enemy and caught and who's going to go? And you're like, well, I'm sir lost a lot. You know, I've lost a lot. We have. But the day came when what? He set her free. God will use your life. It's so cool when God uses your life to set people free, guys. It really is. 
And so we close in verse 51. These were the inheritances which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel divided as an inheritance by lot in Shiloh before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So they made an end of dividing the country. Here we see these guys were chosen by the Lord to make sure that it was the Lord. You know, that's all. That's all we want to do, the Lord's will. The entire distribution of the land had taken place under God's watchful eye. It was done decently and in order. And all I know, man, is that God is good. All he asks is that we'd be willing to work, to walk, and to war for his glory and for their good. You know, may God guard us, you guys, from the laziness and neglect that a lot of times ends up happening, you know, we get caught up in. We need to be encouraged by our leader, the Lord Jesus Christ, to go out and possess the land and the life that God has for each one of us. You know, I don't know what the Lord has for your life specifically, but man, I hope that you can hear me right now when I tell you that it's good. That God has a plan for your life. And don't, don't do your own thing. Do God's plan. Don't neglect the calling, the opportunities, and the responsibilities of our Christian life. And I read this uh, story right here, and for some of you it might make you cry. It's about these rabbits um, in Colorado. It says, The Jefferson County Sheriff's Office released disturbing photos Wednesday from a case of alleged animal cruelty and neglect involving approximately 200 rabbits. On July 21st, authorities seized the rabbits from Six Bells Farm in this city, calling the conditions deplorable. After officers and veterinarians did initial inspection of the rabbits and conditions they were being kept in, it was determined that the 200 rabbits needed to be seized for their own welfare. They said the rabbits were packed into a shed with little or no light and in the filthy and cramped cages, according to the search warrant affidavit, which was also released Wednesday. The animals' coats were matted and the place stunk of urine and feces. The rabbits were then transported to the Jefferson County Fairgrounds for treatment by veterinarians with the Foothills Animal Shelter. The owner of the farm, his name is Debbie Bell, or her name, I guess, will appear in court on September 12th to face animal cruelty and neglect charges. Now let me tell you something, man. If this lady is going to court and she's being charged, you know, for neglecting rabbits, how much more so will you and I stand before God one day if we neglect so great a salvation that he's given to us. And if we neglect, you guys, we will be so sorry. And so let's just, man, in the freedom that God's given to us, let's go forward and let's say, okay, Lord, I'm going to be a go-getter for God. I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to pray and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Lord, help us to get that land. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word, your love, your grace in our life. And then going through a section like this, Father, a lot of cities, a lot of borders, I know there's so much there. But I pray, Lord, 
in looking at kind of a bird's eye view that I would learn. I would learn from the tribe of Dan. I would learn from the tribe of Simeon. I would learn from, Lord, your word. And I pray that I would no longer neglect the inheritance that you have for me. And I pray the same for my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, that we would just rise up and enjoy, Lord, running through these fields of forgiveness, these fields of freedom, these fields of grace, Lord, that we would run with passion. We thank you so much for being our God, being the God of the second chance, being such a wonderful and good God. And I pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, that they're not a Christian, that tonight would be the night of salvation. Lord, that you would just let everyone here know about your love and how wonderful it is to really follow Jesus. I also pray for anyone here, maybe as a Christian, Lord, they are not walking right. They're just lacking. They're slacking, God. They're backslidden, maybe. Lord, let tonight be a night in which we return to you and return to where we belong. We love you. We praise you. I just want to ask for help. Lord, help us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.